Today sees the final talk in our 10-week series on the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's here on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Together, if you've been listening, you'll remember we've looked at Christ's love, his obedience, meekness, gentleness, purity, dignity, steadfastness, humility, kindness and compassion, and finally, this time, today, we're going to look at his faithfulness. We refer to the Bible letter of the Romans and the Galatians today if you want to follow the readings. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that these studies of the Lord Jesus Christ's character ought to motivate us to be more like him in our daily lives. So the hymn I've chosen to follow Brian's talk today is Let the Beauty of Jesus Be Seen in Me. Join in if you know it. But first, let's go to Brian to study the faithfulness of Christ. Thanks, John. The Bible holds up one of its characters, Abraham, as the great example of faith. What may be less well known is that the faith of Abraham prefigured the faith of Christ. They both left their own place, they both became strangers on earth, and they both refused to withhold what was most precious to them, but surrendered it to God. The Apostle Paul, as he writes to both the Romans and the Galatians, makes the connection. Now let's begin a little earlier, in the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, in fact. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. There's a lot of confusion, even among Christians, about the role of the law and its relevance, if any, for today. What we've read explains the purpose of the law as being to make us aware that the God who truly exists is a holy God, and what's more, he's our judge. It also serves to make us aware of our sin. Bring these two things together, and it's clear that humanity has a problem. We don't have a right standing before God because of our sinfulness. Thankfully, Paul's not finished. He goes on to talk about righteousness, the very thing we need in place of our sinfulness before God. At first, it's not clear if he's only describing God's own characteristic of righteousness, but he does go on to imply its availability also for us. When we read that the revelation of God's righteousness is through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, it makes more sense to understand this as the righteousness that's God's provision for us, the solution to the problem of our sinfulness, which the law has already established. Paul says this, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. That's Romans 3, verses 21 and 22. Paul writes that the righteousness of God has been disclosed for all who believe. There can be no disputing that this is the Bible's main message. But if the whole phrase is translated, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, then there appears to be some unnecessary repetition, through faith for all who believe. This repetition is avoided if we recognise that two distinct things are being said and not the one thing being repeated. 
The first reference to faith is a reference to Christ's own faith, even his faithfulness. Then comes the mention of our believing in Christ. What we are asked to believe is this, that the revelation of God's righteousness is through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. It's not through the works of the law that God displays his righteousness, but the faithful Christ reveals and provides God's righteousness for us, that is, for those of humanity who believe in Jesus Christ. Paul continues, For there is no distinction, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans 3.22-26 Once again, it's more natural to render the last part as the one who has the faith of or from Jesus. Not only does the translation make excellent sense, but it also prepares us for the next chapter, Romans chapter 4, where Paul not only considers the example of Abraham's faith, but in doing so, he uses wording for Abraham's faith that exactly parallels the wording in chapter 3 for Jesus' faith. Perhaps you've wondered, as I did in the past, why Romans 1 and verse 17 describes the good news of God's righteousness as being revealed from faith to faith. Why from faith to faith? It may well be explained in this way by the third chapter we've been reading, that our righteous standing before God is produced by our faith, that is, our believing, in the faith or faithfulness of Christ. In fact, this is shared as the major theme of another of Paul's writings, his letter to the Galatians. At that time, in those parts, as the gospel spread, there were many who misunderstood God's purpose regarding the Old Testament law of Moses. They'd believed Jesus was the Messiah or Christ, but they were also trying to combine that with an attempt to do some of the works of the law themselves. Paul argues very passionately against that. He says in Galatians 2.15, We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Paul set things straight at Antioch, correcting Peter and doubtless Barnabas. But after writing to the Galatia churches, Paul and Barnabas would set out for Jerusalem to settle the issue, the same issue, once and for all there. This was to prevent a different gospel, which could never be a true alternative. The landmark Jerusalem Council decision of Acts 15 would set the benchmark for all time, to which the reformers would much later return. In effect, Paul says there's never been one single person born of a human father in all of history on our planet who's made himself acceptable to God based on performing religious good works. Verse 16 says very plainly, We have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified. 
the theology of justification by faith is biblically unassailable. But are the works of the law, as mentioned in this verse, being contrasted with our faith placed objectively in Christ? Or are the works of the law in this verse set over against the faithfulness of Christ himself? In other words, is Christ the subject of the faith mentioned? That was the translation choice made by the translators of the King James Version. It's certainly by believing in Christ that we are justified. And the first part of the verse says that. But here's the question. Is this justification, which is not brought about by the works of the law, is it further taught here to be the result of the faithfulness of Christ? The next part of the verse literally reads, justified by the faithfulness of Christ. Viewed in this way, the faithfulness of Christ becomes a contrasting theme of the letter Paul wrote to the Galatians. Contrasting, that is, with a misplaced belief in the doing of the works of the law. Christ's faithfulness in rescuing us from this present evil age. His faithfulness in coming as the ultimate fulfilment of the promise to Abraham, which predated even the law. And his faithfulness in coming at the right time to be born of a woman and under the law, so as to bring us out from under its condemnation. In all these ways, his faithfulness is seen. And there's another example of the faithfulness of Christ, which we come to later in Galatians chapter 2. But if, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Paul writes of how as a believer in Christ's death for his sins on the cross, he died to the penalty of the law. This had happened in the death of Christ. In God's judicial reckoning, he died with Christ to the penalty of the law. Every born-again Christian believer can say with Paul that Christ lives in him or her, and indeed that their experience of human life now is one of living by the faithfulness of the Son of God. It would seem that it's this rendering which explains most adequately the ending of that famous personal verse of Christian testimony. For the faithfulness of Christ is supremely demonstrated in that faithful love which led him to give himself sacrificially for each one who believes in him. Having received him as personal saviour, the believer knows as a result, of course, that he or she is declared righteous before God. Subsequently, in the third chapter of Galatians, we see that as God shaped history, everything was building to this. The promise given at the first to Abraham pinpointed the Christ who was coming. The law was given until the coming of Christ, the one to whom it was designed to lead us. The whole of the Old Testament, including the law, was saying, look to Christ. The law was like a thermometer. When we're ill, we may have our temperature taken by means of a thermometer. If the reading is very high, this shows that we are unwell. Does the thermometer make us better? No, of course not. But it does inform us that we are ill and must go to the doctor. 
In a similar way, the law shows us our sinful condition, but it's not capable by design to cure our sinfulness. It only points us to Christ. The faith in Galatians 3 and verse 23 is the faith of Jesus Christ himself, we suggest. Before the appearing of this faith, the law imprisoned humanity. But with the appearing of Christ's faith, humanity has been freed from its custodian. It's the faithfulness of Christ that's made the difference, freeing us, justifying us and adopting us as sons of God. Paul informs us that when the faithfulness of Christ was manifested, as had been promised before the law was given, Jewish Christian believers finally attained their majority status. What faithfulness! Christ's faithfulness is seen in his handing himself over for our sins, in accepting the curse of the cross, and in fulfilling the mission entrusted to him by the Father. Praise God for the faithful Christ. Thank you for your talk today, Brian, and uh, for the whole series as well. As I've said in the past, the study of the character of Christ is so vast, we have only partly covered it here, even in ten weeks. But if you want to continue from these talks for further personal interest, I'd like to give you a final reminder that there's a free book to go with this series of ten studies, and a copy can be yours if you write in. Now, if you'd like a copy of the book... You can uh, just ask for the character of Christ and you can do this by email or by post. And here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY UK. Search for Truth, PO Box 748, Ringwood, Victoria 3134, Australia. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 70115, Chilomani, Blantyre, Malawi. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So it's been great to have you with us today. Many thanks for your friendship. And I hope you can join me again next week when Brian will be starting a new series in five parts called A Tale of Two Women. Until then, it's goodbye for now and very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, may God richly bless you. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen.